Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. This is my favorite episode of the year. This is our first time for us, but it's a special edition Sundance recap Two Brothers Review podcast. We both went to Sundance, but different weekends so that we could bring you, our listeners, wider coverage of the festival. And if history tells us anything, we watched totally different movies. Because Ty (laughs) wants to go see the foreign dramas and the documentaries. And that's not my style. (laughs) Reed wants to go to the films that have already been bought by Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Specifically didn't go to Velvet Buzzsaw this year because of that. I went to one film that actually had been bought by Netflix already. Yeah. And I was and uh, I was mad. So I saw five movies over three days, which <laughs> maybe doesn't sound like too much, but three of them were in one day, and that might be my limit. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot, Reed. I went to six over two days. What a trooper you are. And I didn't reach uh, my limit. I didn't get into two, and I was mad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but before we talk about this year's I wanted to just go back and say what are our favorite Sundance movie is that we've ever seen. Yeah, mine is called The Nine Muses by John Acomfra. It's this movie that never leaves my mind. And it's a very weird hybrid kind of doc where he's using found footage of the Caribbean black diaspora in England and also filming these very weird sequences of blizzards. And also, it's a retelling of um, Odysseus's journey. It's all those things at the same time. It's an amazing film. Okay. Uh, for me, I want to go with one of my uh, honestly favorite movies of all time. I saw it at Sundance. Uh, Four Lions. It's a comedy with Riz Ahmed. I saw it in 2010. And I, I laugh so much when I watch this movie. I think it's just the perfect comedy. It's so funny. It's very good. Uh, But I was thinking back, Ty, the first time I went to Sundance was with you. Do you remember we saw... Yeah, do you you remember? No. Well, I mean, I have have memories of going with you. I was 15 and we saw The Saddest Song in All the World and Goodbye Lennon. Oh, yeah. And you loved it? No, actually, I've I think about the movie Goodbye Lennon a lot in my life. Yeah. Still, like I remember it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the, the saddest song in all the world. I can vaguely remember that. It's like this 1920s music competition in, in black and white. I think bands from all over the world try to play their country's saddest song. <laughs> Such a good premise for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, since then, it's something that I've enjoyed going to when I was in college in Utah. Uh, and then since graduating, I've gone back the last four years, tried to see different movies. Um, and this year, I think I saw a couple of pretty good ones. How about you? Yeah, I saw some good ones and some bad ones. I feel like that happens every year. Should we uh, switch off back and forth? Sure. You want to go worst to best or best to worst? Ooh, I didn't rank mine. Let me think. Do you want to rank? Did you rank yours? I rank, yeah, I have a, just keep a note with every year I rank them. Okay, uh, worst to best, probably. But, yeah, okay, I'm ready. Okay, uh, you go first, because you saw one more than I did. Okay, of my, uh, of the six films that I saw, my least favorite was 
a documentary film. This is the one that's on Netflix, or it's going to be soon, called The Edge of, Dem- Edge of Democracy, about how the two left-leaning Brazilian presidents were – one was impeached and the other one was convicted of corruption and put in jail. It was made by the daughter of a friend of the impeached one, and it was so biased. So it was just really bad filmmaking, I thought. And her the whole point of the film was to say that um, – that these two presidents were treated unfairly by the by the right wing of the government that has the real power in Brazil. It was a hack job. But I can see why it made it into Sundance. Yeah, totally. Uh, for me, the least favorite movie I saw was Paradise Hills. And this is a movie with Emma Roberts. And it's kind of like a fairy tale, futuristic world, except it tries to do like kind of sci-fi and a fantasy element but it doesn't connect them very well. And so I, I just couldn't stay with it. But visually, it was stunning. It's a very like Victorian-styled clothes and a beautiful shot in southern Spain. Yeah, it looked cool. I saw the... I mean, I, wanted, I tried to see it, actually. But, well, I wanted to see it. I didn't really try. Okay. All right. Um, my next one uh, on the list is The Disappearance of My Mother. This is a documentary film by a filmmaker from Italy, and his mother was a supermodel when she was younger. And then she said that she decided that she hated how models' images were used by other people. And so she became a professor at a fashion institute in Milan, and she lectured about the ethics and philosophy of fashion. And so she's very anti-image, but she continues to model. So she's a a popular... um, when designers need models that look like they're seven-year-old women, she she does like runway shows and stuff still. So that seemed hypocritical. But the worst part about the documentary was the son kept filming her, and she kept you see her on camera saying, "I don't want to be filmed. I don't like how you're using my image." And the whole point of the film is to say, you know, women are objectified, and the, and she'd be like, "Turn that off," and he'd be like, "Okay, okay, fine," and he'd put it down on the on the table or the counter and he'd leave it filming or hide it behind a plant one time oh my gosh and then she, and then you know you'd see the you'd see the scene continue to unfold it was awful that's that's you should not do that as a documentary filmmaker that's it it's totally again totally the opposite of the point of his film she would have had to sign a release though eventually no you don't i mean some people would require it but sundance probably what doesn't okay Anyway, she was there, and she was at the Q&A, and she was crazy. She's crazy. Yeah. Um, all right, for me, the next one for, on my list was Light from Light. And kind of a, a ghost hunter helps Jim Gaffigan, who feels like there's a spirit in his house of his wife who passed away. Uh, and it's just very slow and uh, poetic and, and, I thought, nice, but... Uh, a little too slow paced and low energy for me. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan can be low energy. I agree. Okay, my next one is the um, is Native Son, which I was very excited excited about because it was written by Susan Laurie Parks, a great playwright um, that I like a lot. But it was very disappointing. Um, it's about a. It's kind of like people were saying it's like the Get Out of this year, but. It's about a, a black guy from the south side of Chicago. He gets hired by a white family on the north side of Chicago to drive as their chauffeur. And then he ends up uh, 
<laughs> accidentally killing their daughter and then covers it up by burning her body and then he gets eventually caught. It was just, it just didn't make sense. Like the way he, she ended up getting killed, it, it was not necessary. And so then it just lost, it just became this farce and it wasn't supposed to be. So I had high expectations and I was very disappointed. That's a recreation of a story though, right? Like a old it's story. A book. It's a book. Yeah. And Okay. Uh, for me, the next one was Corporate Animals. Uh, this is Demi Moore takes a group of her employees on a company retreat to get grow together. They get stuck in a cave with Ed Helms, their guide, and are down there for nine days. And you can imagine some things have to happen for that to work out. But eat. it's a yeah they they eat at Helms. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> he's he's dead already. They don't kill him. Okay. But it's it's there are some gross scenes. That sounds uh, awful. Actually, you liked it. I guess I liked it third best. I know. I don't but know. Would you recommend it? Uh, I don't think I would. It's like a very dark comedy. Yeah. Uh yeah. What how are you? It's good to see Demi Moore working, though. Sure. My next one is um, uh, it's Coco D Coco Day, which was a very weird. I actually do recommend it. Uh, it's a very weird um, Danish Swedish, I think Danish Swedish co-production or something um, about this couple whose daughter dies at the very beginning of the movie, and then you can tell that it's put a strain on them, and they're not they've fallen out of love, but they go camping. And they wake up in the morning and this band of roving puppeteers kills them. <laughs> and uh, and then as soon as they're both dead, it goes back to the morning again. So it's uh, it's like Groundhog's Day. Except they're killed by this banding rove of puppeteers every day. They get killed every day? Yep. Like over and over? Over and over again? It's so weird. It's so weird, but it's good. It's, it's all about grief. And then, the, and then it breaks away to do puppet shows. There's these beautiful puppet shows um, that I think adds a layer of meaning to the to the film. So I liked it a lot. Okay. Uh, the next one on my list is The Souvenir, which I actually think won the Grand Jury Award for World Drama about a filmmaker student in Britain in the 80s who gets in a relationship with an older man who is addicted to heroin, but she doesn't know that. And then just goes through kind of their relationship and how, I mean, you, you can see it, how manipulative he is. And I think she even recognizes it at some points, but can't really get away from him and just sort of their story. And um, I think kind of the interesting thing about it is Tilda Swinton is in it as the mother of this girl. And it's her real life daughter who plays the girl. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And there, I think you got options for a sequel already. So more heroin coming up well not for no. him okay spoiler alert anyone geez so many spoilers if you can find the souvenir more power to you <laughs> um okay my next one is gonna be uh huh i'm torn i like the last two that i had very much um i'm gonna go with the hole in the ground this is uh also, I can't remember, also Swedish or Danish horror film about a uh, mom and, and her son who've they've fled their husband and they live now next to these woods and a huge 
sinkhole opens up in the woods and one night the kid goes out there and then comes back and then from then on the mother thinks it's not really her son anymore she's trying to figure out if it is her son or if it's possessed by someone else and it gets real it's very scary like you know doors slamming unexpectedly and you jump and um and also just a very interesting commentary about the love of parents and and how you can kind of not understand your own children sometime. I don't feel like you normally go to those like midnight movies. Did you try to do that more this year? Um, I just because I was only there for two days, I I went to every movie I could basically. Okay. Um, so then the best movie I saw uh, this year was The Report with Adam Driver as a congressional don't, aide. Don't don't spoil this one. It's coming out. And this one's definitely going to come out. No spoilers, but he is tasked with researching and writing an investigation, investigatory report on the use of enhanced interrogation techniques. And so you see the struggle he goes through and sort of the opposition to make that public, mm. if, he, if he even can. Nice. And it's a good, he's, he's good in it? I think he's great. He's so good. Okay. So it's like Patterson. Patterson-esque, yes. <laughs> That's what, you sold me. <sighs> All right. He only my, uses a lightsaber twice. <laughs> my last one's called um, The Last Tree, and the, the name of the film is the worst thing about it. It has nothing to do with the tree. During the Q&A, someone asked the director, and he's like, he gave this really long explanation, and everyone's like, no, it's not about a tree. Um... But it is about a Nigerian boy who grows up in London. He's with a foster family at first, but then his mother comes to take him back, and he's devastated by that. And he goes back and lives with her, and then it shows him 10, ten years later when he's graduated from high school and the effect that move back to the – basically to the projects of London, what that effect had on him. I thought it was awesome. Great movie. Yeah, fic- fiction film. Cool. Uh, do you think that one has a chance of getting released? I bet not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were some others that got bought this year, but it's hard to even, even once they get bought, you don't know when they're, where they're going to get released or how wide it's going to be. Yeah. I'm excited for late night. That, that Definitely. Sounds, that sounds really good. And I'm excited for the Jeffrey Dahmer one. Yeah. With uh, Zac Efron. So I think our message is support independent cinema. We, yeah. we like to go to that art house cinema near you. Yeah. I um, also saw a bunch of VR. I went to the two exhibits of VR and AR stuff and I won't talk too much about it, but they're doing crazy stuff with um, motion tracking and, and there's a lot of stuff where it recorded my image and then put me into 3d environments that I could interact with in real time, which was nuts. But my favorite was called the dial and if you're into interactive art and storytelling with augmented reality, I would just Google it. Google Sundance New Frontiers, The Dial. And you can see, um, basically, it was a house, a, di- a, a diorama of a house. And you would go around it with your phone, looking through your... Not your phone. They gave you a phone to use, actually. But you could imagine doing it with your phone. And you would see in your phone characters in 3D walking into and out of the house and speaking you could hear them and the phone it tracked where you were and that determined what you heard and saw it was amazing 
I mean, do you think they could make a movie like that where people had a 20 square foot area they could walk around and choose what they were looking at? Yeah. They're do- yeah. This was I mean, this was the the characters were really small and it was annoying to do it on a phone. I hate AR on phones, but that's kind of like where it's at right now. But very soon you're going to be able to wear glasses so you just you wouldn't have to hold anything and you'd see your whole field of vision and you'll be able to walk around a physical space exactly like that and you'd see different things happening in different places. I'm sure that's coming. Okay. They had cool. the Royal Shakespeare Theater from London had an exhibit where you did wear glasses and when you looked at a particular place, you um, you could see an actor delivering a monologue from, I think, A Midsummer's Night Dream. Yeah, I've seen the augmented reality through the phone. We did a tour of a, a Gaudi house in Barcelona, and depending on where you pointed the phone they gave you, you know, different things would, it would talk about different things and different things would move around. Yeah. But it still seemed kind of low, low level still, I would say, but I guess that was two years ago. Yeah, it's getting better. But obviously, I mean, it's not great yet still. That's why it's not, I think, blowing up everywhere. Hmm. Well, cool. Thanks for joining our uh, special episode of Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley, and uh, next year we'll be doing the podcast from Sundance, where my interactive movie is showing. If we can coordinate a little bit better, yes. <laughs> Dude, if I get into Sundance next year, you're coming the whole the whole 10 days. Deal. If you get in, I'll be there. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.